0: hey guys welcome back to another episode of the anglers happy hour podcast we don't have an official intro today and we don't have our corny 1980s music because i'm sitting in a hotel room with weak wi-fi and it is what it is so uh thank you for joining us and uh we've got uh, the usual crew here together we've got rob and nick what's going on guys hey man just living the dream what uh what are you up to right now nick where are you at
1: Man, I am just lounging as I record in this air-conditioned bedroom of my house that I'm taking a stab at. It's, uh, I think it's like 116 today, so I, I figured I didn't want to die at the microphone in my garage, so we're, uh, we're freestyling a little bit.
0: How many of your kids are going to break into that room in the next hour?
1: Oh, all three of them within the next hour, and I'd say at least two in the next 10 minutes, so we've always got that going on.
0: <laughs> get through this what uh what are you up to rob are you uh, are you in the truck
2: yeah i'm sitting in my truck it's uh my truck says it's 112 here right now but like nick said by the end of the day it'll be 116 and it's uh this is our you guys are in door county wisconsin right we are uh, I'm, I'm actually yeah, very so lucky this, you're very lucky but this is our equivalent uh to Door County's winter times, I think. January. Exce- yeah, yeah. This is like your 30 below in Door County, I think. But yeah, it's yeah, pretty gross. But, you. you know, pretty much on my end, I have nothing going on except for I have uh, been very unproductive, other than the fact that I've watched uh, the Bass Pro Tour. I watched you guys on uh, yesterday on online and i've watched a bunch of it today too and it's been probably one of the most enjoyable ones i've ever seen for a bunch of different reasons one josh is doing extremely well um and a bunch of friends of the podcast are doing well with james elam doing well um uh justin lucas i mean it, it's pretty funny how many guys in the i think it was four of the top five with brett height also uh, brett height all, yeah hey, have this is the first been on the who knows? But the first day, it's been a good start for the crew, huh? Yeah, it was exciting to watch that. But, dude, what made me, like, like the hair on the back of my neck stood up when I first saw Aaron fishing, dude, and how exciting that was to uh, to see him catch fish and just be typical Aaron, man. It was awesome. So. That's, yeah. a, that's a great point, dude.
0: It's, it's what almost is- surreal. To see him, he's just, and, and it's, he's just like, he just went through brain surgery two months ago, had yep. chemo treatment and radiation yep. for the last two months, and the dude is fishing the Great Lakes in a bass tournament out of a little bass boat like nothing ever happened.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I know, um, I'm sure a lot of people already know, but I think all the anglers voted, right? Josh, you probably know more about that, to allow his uh, his wife, one, to drive the boat during practice, and uh, his his marshal or his official um to drive the boat during the tournament which is pretty cool
0: so that that is cool it's there there aren't many different like tournaments that you could actually fish you know because aaron had a seizure you know when this all started so he's you know he can't legally drive his truck and it's it's not you know it's it's not 100 percent the safest thing for him to be going 70 miles an hour down the lake with passengers in a boat so uh, yep. uh it is really cool to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, just because we love Aaron and we can mess with him and stuff. We've all, as the anglers, we've kind of been laughing because uh, can you imagine, like, the ups and downs of being his boat driver? Like, it'd be so cool to be out there with him all day. <laughs> and but can you imagine how hard it would be to drive a boat to his standards? <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. They interviewed him today, and he's
2: like, yeah, I was kind of grabbing the wheel a little bit here and there so it's pretty funny dude he's just it's uh anyhow it just made me so happy to see that um that was that was a neat deal so that's cool i'm glad you brought that up
0: dude and and yeah it's 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 an amazing story and he's he's one of the toughest dudes i've ever met man it's uh it's gonna be great and he's as as everyone expected he caught a pile of fish yesterday and he's right in the mix
1: yeah nice i was gonna ask how he did so that's even just like the cherry on top that he's He's right in com- contention.
0: It's just like nothing happened. It's, it's ridiculous, dude. He's just out there catching fish again. So uh, that is cool. Um, well, so Rob, I know it's been so hot and guiding has been a little slow this week, but I know Nick, and we'll get into uh, my tournament a little bit here uh, later on because I want to talk Great Lakes fishing and stuff. But uh, before we do that, let's talk about Nick. You, How many times have you fished this week? And this, I think it's crazy. Because if you go back two months this wasn't even a question but now I get to ask you every week how had how'd your fishing go this week
1: man? yeah now you got to try and keep up with me I'm such a such a big deal I actually made it out twice this week man it's been a it's been a great week for me um on the fishing side the catching side wasn't as great as the fishing side but uh, I snuck out I got a little quality alone time and went night fishing back on Monday I think it was and uh, boy, I I lit up the scoreboard zero blanking all the way across, man. I uh I I I sucked. We had we had a full moon. It was the day after a full moon, and I was and the moon rise was at like 9:15. So I thought I was just gonna, you know, walk into a, a really productive window of time there, and um just struggled, man. Didn't catch anything. But I will tell you, I was inundated with the largest explosive hatch and swarm of midges I have ever seen in my life. I tell you, <laughs> I I'd consumed 21,000 calories of midges um, just by breathing. Um, I took videos of my phone, dude. They, I was literally covered. Like I had a second skin of midges just on me, all up in my business. It was, it was one of the more relaxing fishing trips I've had in a while. But it could have been worse, at least they don't bite.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Are they also those little green bugs out
1: there? Yeah, I, I assume that's a midge. I don't know. I guess I'm not a, a whatever a bug doctor, but it sure looked like what I've always thought midges were. But dude, it was it was so crazy. You know, there's a lot of tulies and cattails, and as soon as you got anywhere near them, it was just so many that you'd shine your spotlight on the lake, and it would like reflect off the water, and it just was the surface of the water was just moving. It was crazy.
2: How many dude, I've did had you? Some- I've had some daytime guide trips out there to where you almost can't even tolerate being there. They're so bad.
1: So you take, you open your mouth to breathe and six of them yeah. just go right down your throat.
2: Yeah.
0: It's terrible. That wasn't like that a couple years ago. How did Never. they, I mean, where did they come from? What are they?
1: Global warming. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have no idea. It's the most bizarre thing. And like I, and so then I was wondering, I was like, I figured that there would have just been like, small fish galore, man. Why weren't the bluegill just swimming around with their mouth open on the surface, gaining six pounds a night? Like it seemed like that would have been, that was like the Las Vegas, all you could eat
0: buffet of Saguaro Lake. I guess that goes to show the bluegill population's not very healthy out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. I like, just was interesting that that didn't go on, but you know, I could just tell, like it just, for whatever reason, the fish, I I'm, it's probably a time of the night deal and that first period after dark I sucked I I wish I could have stayed out late I got off at about midnight because I had to have some resemblance of you know life but uh, yeah it was tough so then I took my kids back to the other Lake Pleasant on um, I think it was Wednesday and uh, you know unfortunately I couldn't get in any more striper boils and that was definitely what I was going for but uh, that lake is just full of uh, two and a half pound largemouth man the the largemouth fishing is is really good i i again struggled but uh we did manage to catch a couple fish and it was fun because um we i you know i caught them all off the, the graph right there's a real specific depth and once you get in that depth and you're around you know the right structure dude it's just like spaghetti on your graph you can just see lines and piles and streaks and uh it's pretty cool
0: That's fun, man. So uh, what's struggling Do you? How many did you catch? Like, I mean, you say you struggle because you're humble. Did you catch literally two or did you catch four?
1: Yeah, no, I I appreciate the compliment of humbling. I really did struggle and only caught two. I think think what was going on is it was super high pressure. I talked to a guy at the ramp who had been out the night before. And again, we're talking two days, three days after a full moon. He told me he'd been out till 2 a.m. and he caught like 30. And then he fished again this morning and had only caught six or seven. So you know probably they're they they weren't streaking a bunch as much as they were just you could tell they were hug, hugging the bottom pretty tightly. Um, and, and dude I again like I got my kids with me right. So there's there's 14 cannonballs a minute going off the back deck of the boat and <laughs> I'm making sandwiches and telling stories and listening to them talk. So I mean the it was how serious aaron Martin's is fishing right now if you went the opposite end of the spectrum that outlined what was going on that red nitro but uh, we had a good time
2: that's that's, that's cool. pretty that's pretty typical of, of arizona for sure and i'm sure other parts of the country are similar um, you know this time of year the night bite is is king and, and when they're biting at night man they do not bite during the during the day so
1: Makes me feel good, dude. You could just tell, like, occasionally you'd see three or four fish start streaking, and you could tell they were real active, but otherwise, it was just, you know, almost like carpet down there on the bottom, and not that those aren't catchable fish, but they weren't super active.
2: But you get out there early in the morning, you probably catch them, or, you you know, you wait till you get on the dark side of the moon, and the daytime bite can be quite a bit better. So, Mm -hmm. it's just weird how, you know, timing, and I I think people underestimate timing and fishing, and how... How much that matters. You
1: There's know? a relationship.
2: Have, yeah, you, uh, have you guys
0: ever you know, fishing at night? We're going back to nighttime talking about the full moon effect. Hildegard, like what you're saying, Tom. And just literally, you know, you're having a tough night and the moon rises and it's like, which is the you cliff? Know,
1: Certainly, I have, dude. And that's what I thought was going to happen. I mean, it was such an epic moonrise. I was salivating through the midges thinking I was just about to have a, a slug fest and yeah. uh, didn't materialize. But yeah, that's normally, that's why I was so excited. I was like, oh, the moon rises like right in the wheelhouse of when I want to be there and, and uh, the just the
0: suck. Yep. You fished a jacked up lake on that day. That lake that you were on when you didn't catch them um, at night is in weird shape. And fish are doing weird things for the past three years, you know, like it's. Yep. Sure. It's full yeah. of gold and coffee, and um, you, know, you might have been doing what was the, the right thing to do uh, under normal circumstances, and the fish are just not where they normally are. So uh, I yeah. bet if you were at Lake and you did what you did, uh, yeah. then you're,
2: you would have dude.
1: You know, it's Uh-oh. funny, though. Right. Have you guys done much night fishing alone?
2: No. I'm not into it at all.
1: Dude, I'm I'm already like the biggest chicken in the world. I'm, you know, 93 pounds. I, I just am not an intimidating presence whatsoever. But dude, you hear the creepiest and craziest stuff on the bank. I don't know what is going on. And then it's, you get next to some cattails, right? So then there's like, God only knows, raccoons and freaking birds and things that are just making all sorts of ruckus. And at one point, man, I, it was big. I think maybe it was some of those wild horses that live around there. But something was just, like, making this weird grunting and, like, like it's hard to describe. But, dude, I was done. I put my rod down and yep. went to a different part of the lake. I'm out. It's probably a skinwalker, and I want no part of it.
2: Those are javelina, probably.
1: Oh, yeah, because it was, like, grunting and snorting. That's yes. what it was, huh?
2: Yes. Yep, doing, like, making, like, a just a deep grunt and, like, yeah. a poof type noise, right? Dude,
1: I almost got my spotlight to look, but I was too scared. I was like, I'm just gonna leave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's funny.
1: Oh man, I'm a wimp, but I'm not afraid to admit it, dude. I was like, ah, I'm it's a big same. lake. I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm the same way at night, dude. I just yeah, I I fished a lot of night tournaments when I was younger and I'm just completely over it now. A lot of that a lot of that has to do with sleep on my part, but yeah. to, to get back to what Josh was saying about, you know, a, a light switch flipping with the moon coming out. I mean, we would have night tournaments where, you know, you go four hours and don't get a bite. And all of a sudden the moon comes up and you whack them for two hours and then they shut off again. So it's the moon really plays, you know. Yeah. It's a big deal.
0: Even in, in, even planning your day trip, just like Nick said, you know, it's uh, I'm not saying don't go fishing if there was a full moon the night before because there are a million exceptions in fishing but you know be prepared especially if you're fishing and you're in a situation where you really need to catch fish like it's a tournament or something like just be prepared mentally for you know after that sun's been up for a couple hours you're you're probably looking at a tougher bite for several hours before things start to level out and, and, and you hit that early afternoon and, and there's a window again but a lot of times, you know, and I, I even see it during the winter time when the fish might only eat once a day or maybe twice in a day. Like, if it's a full moon the night before, you're probably not going to get many bites between, like, 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Oh, well, uh, that's cool, Nick. I'm, I'm glad you got out a couple times and, uh, shoot, um, where I'm at, I, you know, Rob talked about it earlier, um, i'm in door county wisconsin fishing sturgeon bay for the last uh bass pro tour mlf event of the season there's a couple more flw events but this is the last bpt for the year and um, it's a big tournament for a lot of us you know we're trying to make sure that we make the red crest for next year and there's a lot there's points on the line and stuff like that so that's even more important than the money in the tournament uh, but it's it's an amazing place i mean it's it's it's, it's basically, it's a bay off of Lake Michigan. It's the Green Bay side of Lake Michigan. But what's unique about this tournament is uh, they're actually allowing us to open up the whole lake and, and deal with the, the heavy winds that you get up here in different directions. They're letting us trailer to they, they show the show boundaries. So they we pick up our boat official and a camera guy. If you've got a camera guy in the morning at 615... And you've got until 7.15 to get to a boat ramp. And wow. And you can launch at whatever boat ramp you want as long as it's within the boundaries. And you have to be on, you know, ready to fish by eight. And it's lines in at eight. So, dude, this is probably the biggest area of fishable water I've ever fished in a tournament. It's all amazing fishing. Um, but it, there's a ton of strategy because, you know, uh You've got to you've got to think about what direction is the wind gonna blow. You might find the best school of fish ever on one side of the lake, but the wind you know it blows 100 miles down Lake Michigan at 15 or 20 miles an hour, and there's seven foot waves uh, crashing into it. So there's there's been <laughs> a ton of strategy. Uh, it's it's interesting. Like and, and, and you can actually even during the tournament, you can put the boat back on the trailer and move again. It, Whoa, like it, that's very. It's going to take a lot of time. That's a bad scenario, but, but you can do it.
2: Can we, Josh, I just saw us something. Can we, uh, can we talk more about this tournament on our next podcast after this one? And we can talk more about it now, but I, I have so many questions, but I have no idea what I can ask and what I can't legally. That's, you know what I mean?
0: Well, and that's cool. And, and under normal circumstances, I could tell you anything uh, that yeah. I'm doing, you just can. Anything because we've got all these rules uh, for the listeners. You know, we've got no information, so like uh, I can't hear about what anyone else is doing, and uh, I'm just hanging out in this hotel room with James, my buddy James Elam. Um, So I'm not gonna like go into a bunch of stuff that I'm doing because he can't hear it. But um, yeah, I'll just preface it a little bit, and then we'll talk just some general, just some general Great Lakes and general smallmouth stuff without going too much into detail. Next episode, we uh, will break it down. For the listeners, and hopefully, I have end up having a good tournament all the way through. Yesterday went really well. I had like I had one of those days that are just that, that you dream about. I had uh, 123 pounds of fish.
2: So <laughs> I don't, I don't think most people in their lives catch a 123 pounds of smallmouth, let alone in one in day. One day. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's
0: a great legacy you if you line if everything lines up perfectly and you're doing the right thing in the right place it can be like that and then but what's crazy is the next day all those fish could be gone and they may not be gone like they were still there from where i found them in practice but like the wind direction can change and they might just be like we're gonna go live somewhere else now for tomorrow so we'll see if my uh tune is the same at the end of the week but uh it was a pretty cool day
1: Dude, do you have awesome. to just hate Justin Lucas just a little bit more. Obviously, he's our buddy, so we're laughing. I say hate with with love, but it's funny. It's like you just go up there and mop the floor, and uh, it's just right there, man. Like it just it, you had you had such an awesome day, and it's just like man, it's crazy.
2: Hey, listen but to this. Oh, go ahead, Rob. I just feel like you hung in there. You still have a legitimate chance to get the the auto bid to the to the championship day. You know, I mean it's. Yeah. Well, what what you can th- catch what if you land on the right spot? I mean you, you can.
1: Seventeen catch pounds to, is nothing, right?
2: Exactly my point. I mean you could just blow it out of the water and it could. <laughs> and go four right casts you could have it. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. Your, that's here's, my take on
0: it. Here's the thing, like so if you end up in first place in your group after the elimination rounds, which would be after you move on instantly to the championship round, you don't have to fish the knockout round. So that's what you're talking about, Rob. Um, yep. But so say Jess and I both go out there, and anyone behind us also. James has a legitimate chance. Brett, yep. Scott, Suggs, and those guys—like one guy will come out smelling like a rose, but <laughs> possibly the other three go out, and beat up their fish, and don't get to learn anything new, and then they still have to yep. go do it all over again the next day. So that's the yeah. challenge, and of course for it because that's – I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the knockout round. And, and say those fish are there for you tomorrow, but then they, but they move, might leave before the knockout round. You definitely don't want to wait for that. So I, I'm i definitely going to try, but, uh, hope, yeah, hopefully <laughs> – just hopefully it works out, you know, and, and hopefully
2: the decision whether you need to keep trying is clear after about half the day. Yeah. The, be- the beauty of it is you have score trackers so you can keep track of what's going on. And,
1: and know what you stand. need to do.
2: Yeah, yeah i don't know there's so much strategy that's just not like old school tournament fishing yeah doesn't have this doesn't have a strategy like that it's pretty cool it's fun to watch and increased it, is the right.
1: entertainment right rob
2: oh it's insane dude i'm sitting in my living room like cheering and and like i don't know and i'm not like that dude i'm not a very like you're
1: pretty outspoken
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i was just like yeah anyhow it was pretty exciting
0: that's cool. I'm
2: glad to hear it because I was actually wondering when I was out there fishing yesterday,
0: I'm like, is it starting to get I wonder if it's starting to get boring to watch no. everybody no. To catch fish after the fish.
1: Yeah, it's just painful to watch cool. people catch four pounds of all mouth for eight hours straight. It's just painful. I
0: don't know. I thought maybe it would just get
2: repetitive <laughs> I was like, good or bad. That aspect of it does, but the other, the competitive aspect of, of and and also yesterday was more exciting for me to watch than today not that just because you know it was you and brett and james and all the guys that uh, that i was rooting for you know so it it makes it a little bit different for me when you when you know guys right so yeah Well, well thanks for watching dude that's
0: awesome
1: uh, it's probably got to be better too, as like the commentators. You want that tournament versus the one where people are getting like six bites a day or something, where you're like having to come up with all sorts of interesting, random stuff to talk about versus just being yeah. like, oh, and so and so just caught 4,100 pounds and this person's up to three tons. And, you know, that just helps keep it moving. They probably really appreciated that too. So you did them they a solid. 100
2: hundred percent of the time, they have a guy catching a fish. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to like a Florida tournament where they'll go like three hours and nobody's caught one.
1: They're trying to tell stories and just be like, yeah. So back in <laughs> 1986, I was back in my F-250 down. Oh, got a bite.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Doing our podcast, if they didn't have any action, it would be like this. We're days spray. It would be uh, your ears would bleed.
1: They'd hear stories about kids jumping out of the back of a boat and excuses on why you couldn't catch crap, even though your graph is full of them. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. So, Josh, um, maybe this is too directive a question, but I know you wanted to kind of pivot and just talk smallmouth fishing and Great Lakes. I don't, I'm ignorant. I don't know a lot about um, those waterways other than just the real obvious stuff. But are those fish pretty pelagic or do those schools? stick in one area do they do they cover water like nobody's business what is what is that looking like
0: yeah it's, it's a good question and um, you know they're it's really interesting because in the the spring's like the only time of year they're predictable because they all have to go spawn so everyone knows where they go to spawn and then after that it's just kind of like a gradual progression and i'm no great lakes like seasonal expert i've only fished up here in the summertime i've never fished it like in the fall or anything but uh, there's so much water and there's so many places for them to go. And there's, there's so much forage. That's why it's so good. You've got all different types of forage, from crawfish, which are very minor, uh, in their, in the scope. Um, you've got gobies, which are a really big deal and the gobies live anywhere there's rock. That's why these fish are giant and fat, but you've also got like schools of bait fish, uh, like alewives and, uh, they eventually do just get out there and start chasing those things around. So that's one of the things that makes the Great Lakes tough, but also good. Is like when they get they get on bait like that, it can it can be amazing when you find them, but also it could be like the Dead Sea when those bait fish are blown around in a different place or whatever. And not I'm just saying in general that's how it is. Not that's that's not maybe how it is exactly this week, but just Great Lakes fishing in general. Once they get off of uh, the spawn um they can be really pelagic man and and mm. you could have a spot that, and it goes both ways right like you could fish one place one day and if there's absolutely nothing and then the next day the current changes or something and you could literally throw a bare hook out and catch a four pounder <laughs> amazing
1: that's so cool man and so is there is is lake michigan pretty deep like is it is it, is there just like the abyss or is there a lot of like fluctuations in depths and, and contours and stuff like that?
0: I think it's really deep, dude. You know, the the deepest part of the Sturgeon Bay that we're in is like 100 feet, but I think it's like 1,000 feet. Isn't it like okay. 1,000 feet Lake Michigan, Jim? I think so. Yeah, it's like 1,000 feet, dude, the middle of the lake. So it's, and you see like, um, you launch your boat in the morning. And you've got, you're in your bass boat, and every other boat is in, like, a a big offshore, trolling, deep V-rig. You know, they're going salmon. For every bass fisherman, there's 10 salmon (laughs) fish. And they go out and over that deep water and catch giant, I guess they're, what are they, king salmon they're catching out there? I guess so. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. It's kind of, it's crazy just all the different stuff that you can do. And there's largemouth in all these lakes, too, but. I mean, you could largemouth fish anywhere. The largemouth don't hold a candle to the possibility with the smallmouth on all the great
2: lakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Josh, can you go into the into the bait fish a little bit? Because the, there's there's gobies and owlwives, and they're I mean, out west we don't see any of that. And what? How big is an owlwife? Dude, now you're going to start asking these technical
0: questions that I won't have accurate answers to but the alewives i've seen have been like in in just in my life have been four to six inches uh they're pretty big baits like and you see a school of them uh they look a little different than like a school of tread and chat on the grass they're they're a little bit bigger bait for sure the gobies are about the same size so the alewives are more like an open water schooling fish and the Mm -hmm. gobies are like and, and the gobies getting in the great lakes are the biggest thing like that's the reason why it's gone off of the, it and turned them around gobys, right yeah if you drop dropped gobies into lake mead it would be the most unbelievable thing yep. you've ever seen in your life in 10 years it's not going to happen i'm not suggesting they do it because there's probably a lot more <laughs> i don't know about but my bass fishing uneducated self would love for that to happen you know yeah so, yeah so i got a, fish I a before say it again have you fished anywhere where gobies lived before?
2: I fished St. Clair. Um, but you, you stayed I'm a, I'm in. A, I'm Didn't you? St. Clair has them, right? Yes, it, well, it does, but St. Clair
0: doesn't have the rock. So, like, it's you don't, like, all the the bodies of water connected to St. Clair have tons, but you don't see many in St. Clair because there's no rock for them to live on. Hmm. Gotcha,
2: gotcha. Yeah, so I have a funny story about gobies. Um, Boyd's been watching some of this stuff with me, my son, and uh, he has a saltwater tank. So the gobies, obviously, they're freshwater gobies, right? But there's saltwater gobies all, also. Hmm. And he went to the fish store today to get a saltwater goby for his uh, fish, <laughs> fish <laughs> <so>. tank. <That's>
0: awesome! <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love fun. it. So is he? Bad? What's that? Did he do? Did he come to home with it yet? Does it look the same as the freshwater ones?
2: Um, he's gotten home since we've been podcasting, so I'm, I'm assuming it'll be in there when I get into the house. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. But, yeah. So, Josh, that was, like, the big turnaround, because didn't the Great Lakes go through, like, a really dirt, like, crappy period from, like, a biomass perspective or at least, like, from a sport fishing perspective? And then – um, was it mussels and gobies or what all a, a
0: lot of it changed right dude yeah I, I i know a lot happened over the course of the last 20 years on the great lakes but i have no answers for you all i know is you know i started getting out and, and seeing them in the you know 2013 2014 and they've been amazing but yeah I, but if you go 10 years before that i don't know or don't think it was the same so it'd be interesting to we need to try to get someone that lives up there Uh um, to give us some real background and history it'd be it'd be interesting
1: because it's just such an intriguing and exciting fishery dude when you talk about a body of water like that is just that massive you know it it becomes like it's only comparison is like salt water right like you're you're basically fishing a giant freshwater ocean in some regards
0: you're fishing for fish that, you know, when you're in Sturgeon Bay, they're, they get pressured a little bit. But, dude, you get out of Lake Michigan, those your lure could be the first lure a fish <laughs> on And its life is a fish is eight years old and weighs four and a half pounds.
1: So, like, how exciting is that, dude? Like, that just gets the fish nerd in me all fired up. Like, I just think, you know, here we're fishing for the same 11 fish that have been caught 14 times this week. To think that you could go somewhere like that, and be around such like badass fish that are just, they're just living their life, man. They're living their best life doing the thing. And I don't know, that's exciting. It's
0: a bucket list trip, man. I got to get up there for sure. It is, man. I'd love to just have, we need to do an angler's happy hour trip. Like we have so many places we'd love to do it. But that, I mean, if I had the choice, it'd probably be, be here, St. Lawrence River, maybe St. Clair. But just to literally spend a week uh, with the guys, just having fun on one of these in one of these towns, it would be amazing, man. Because the fishing is so good, the weather's great, the towns are cool. Like up here, it, there's a bunch of these harbor towns. So they're just little harbors out off off of uh, Lake Michigan, and they're they're these little towns. They're really clean, well kept towns. They've got you know, ten or twenty little bars, ten or twenty little restaurants, all kinds of cool little touristy things to do for the family, and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, there's no better place to be in the summertime than uh, up here.
2: I think that's where you need to avoid Rob. Is somewhere up here. I agree. I think we need to do that for sure. It sounds like fun.
1: Man, yeah, that's awesome.
2: Heck yeah. Um, 2021, Josh.
1: Yeah, <laughs> put in your calendar. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> i would love it i would love it it'd be cool um and last thing before we, we move off this and we'll talk about a couple other things before we uh get off here but um uh, i want to talk about the boat preparation that goes into yeah fishing right here yeah please do so obviously this place is like the hardest place in the world on a bass boat like you know there's places where you fish shallow where you can hit some stumps or run over a sandbar or whatever but just the waves and when you get one one rough day of water, just the repetitive pounding from if you have to go 10 miles, that 10 miles is like feels like sometimes 100 miles, and uh, you're just hitting wave, 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 bang, 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 and it's uh, it's hard on everything in your boat, and stuff that you didn't think could ever be a problem, like <laughs> um, it's everything gets knocked loose. Everything so so going into you've got to make sure that you've got everything completely tightened down you know like you were talking about Aaron earlier rob like 6 or 7 years ago Aaron bolt broke a bolt on his jack plate uh, wow uh eerie dude i remember that away. lopping yeah you remember that yeah <laughs> so like that's the first thing you need to do is check all your bolts make sure they're really tight um you know, make sure that you've got a decent prop. Like, James and I were laughing because um, in our last tournament, James had a brand-new prop. Like, through the course of the year, you might go through a couple props. You just you ding one or something, and that that becomes your backup. But he's been having just bad luck with props. And I think he started <laughs> with two good props, right? Yeah. He started with two new props. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, jack's up the first one. So oh we are on the Magula, And that lake is like it's deep dude i mean you're gonna fish offshore legends all week so he's like i'm gonna put my good prop up. and he gets back to the house one night and he never hit anything like he doesn't remember anything he looks and one of his ears is completely folded over on his lap. <laughs> and he doesn't know what he hit floater out there somewhere that he must have hit and he didn't know it so anyways like now he's got no good props and uh uh, because I, I'm going to blame Ovid, but I think Mercury was backordered on 24 pitch furies and I, I run a 23, so I didn't have a 24 for him. He can't get a 24. So now he's running his old prop. The ear is not completely folded in, but it's not good. And the issue there is you want a good prop because, uh, you it gives get you a bite. uh uh-huh. yeah. Don't worry you know you don't have to you'll never be able to run wide open anyway. It's like no you need the lift in the bike just like you said so um the four blade prop helps a lot if you can have a four blade but when you're riding those big waves the better the bite you have without it blowing out and the more lift you have is good and if you've got a hydraulic jack plate even better because you can bury that jack plate down but you know you might think that your prop boat might be set up in propped perfectly for top end but when you get in like four and five foot waves <laughs> you can really bite you you can't get on pad,
1: uh and so, that can become kind of a dangerous situation right in a worst case scenario
0: oh yeah dude for sure i mean you've got to be able to, to ride those waves so um that's that's another thing to check um you know really important to make sure that your trolling motor you've got your, a strap for your trolling motor so strap down and it's not flopping around because that's the first thing to go for a lot of a lot yeah. of stuff too when you have enough water and that's like the most important tool on your boat like if you have no boat control when you get to your spot you're screwed so uh you've got to take really good care of your trolling motor make sure it's strapped down and then uh the last thing is and i'm just talking gear here but the uh power pull actually makes like a paddle have you guys seen those drift paddles from power pull yes. yeah they're pretty cool like i, I don't use them super often but when you get into a lake like here or saint Clair or something they're amazing and and again you don't use them every day like yesterday i wasn't i didn't really need them but if you get into one of those days when it's blowing 15 to 30 miles an hour and the waves the waves get so big that there's actually a point where your trolling motor is becomes worthless because you can't keep it in the water (laughs) Um, you have to drift and those things you can use a drift sock but drift socks a pain you got to manually throw it out and stuff but the paddles are sweet because you just drop your power poles like you're power pulling down on a spot and they slow your drift down like 50 percent so you might i've seen in like really rough water you watch your gps on your electronics see how fast you're going you know and drifting and you might be drifting like three miles an hour just drifting if you don't have If you're just drifting regularly, and uh, that'll slow you down to uh, just a little over one mile an hour. So it actually becomes fishable if you if you've got those things.
2: Do you tuck them all the way down? Do you push them all the way down, or do you vary them?
0: You do. You just you put them all the way down, and uh, I guess there might be some technique to doing to varying it, but I've just always just dropped them all the way down and. Uh, you hook a big fish and you can lift them up. That way, you're, you're not worried about, you know, you got a smallmouth on a light line with a regular drift sock. I'd be freaked out that it would swim right into the drift sock and break you off, you know? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Dude, that's just a whole other way you can power pull down on the juice. <laughs> yeah. <dude. Big laughs> you, just, you just put on the, the what you call it, a, a paddle?
0: Paddle down on the juice.
1: You got to paddle, paddle down on. on the juice. There you go. <laughs> that's how you get to 123 pounds you paddled down on the juice
2: the moral of the story is never buy a boat from a guy from door county
1: yeah no kidding right you, or maybe unless he had a worn out set of wrenches from tightening everything down maybe you could trust it <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it,
0: it, it, it is nasty for sure uh, you know i wouldn't i wouldn't maybe want to do it all the time but i felt bad for uh so they've got camera transfer boat drivers in these tournaments so like they've got a handful of boats, they've got oh. C-21, and they take the camera guys, like, if you're not catching crap, they're not going to leave a camera in your boat all day. So they'll take a guy, a camera guy, from one boat to another and bring him to a boat that's catching more fish or mm-hmm. close to the cut line to get more footage. So right. it felt so bad for these dudes yesterday. Because all they did for eight hours straight was drive in this stuff, going from boat to boat. And it wasn't that rough, but, I mean, there was two, three foot, two, to Three and a half foot waves all day, and uh, they just drove in it all day.
2: So, we had Josh, we had a listener question uh, text to me from it was actually from Dave Cads, but he said, Do you wear flip flops because your feet are getting wet?
0: <laughs> I did actually, and and so uh, that's a good question, Dave. I, I actually did. Do you guys know of any good waterproof
2: shoes that have like good support? Or no? That aren't hot. Well, there's not much. Yeah. Anything waterproof is hot, right? So it looks like the flip flops are the game, though. A lot of guys are doing that. And it makes sense because you're constantly wet, you know, from rain or waves coming over either or, huh? Exactly. Yeah. I
0: mean, it starts to blow. You you wear your rain suit on the Great Lakes so often on days where it doesn't even rain just because it's just you're going to get wet with the waves.
1: Yeah. Dude, that makes me think of Crocs when you ask about that and the funny memes. You know how they have the strap on the back that, like, 90% of the time you don't use. Like when you're when you have the strap out of play when you fold it over, it's in two-wheel drive. And then the next picture is the is the Croc <laughs> with the strap behind the heel and it says four-wheel drive.
0: <laughs> uh. Dude, I wonder. Yeah. Hey, have you ever had a pair of Crocs? Hi. Yeah, I'm a
1: Croc fan. I had Croc no. flip-flops, which is an abomination, but uh, they're they're alright.
2: Do you guys remember Tevas? Oh yeah. That's like old school. I mean, if Gary Dude, are... probably has Tevas. Gary Klein probably has Tevas. <laughs> is what I'm saying. They're on the Great Lakes, we have like like mine got a little slip
0: and they these are that's flip flops. Like the most I've ever spent on flip flops to get these, and they got a little slippery yesterday, man. They were my feet were not. I didn't have wet shoes, but um, I was a little off balance.
1: Yeah. Well, Rob. Uh, the Tiva's is still around, man. All you need to do is go, like, anywhere where there's whitewater r- rafting and look for the lady with hair under her armpits, and uh, odds are she's wearing Tivas.
2: Guarantee she is, yeah. And she, <laughs> bought them in ni- she bought them in 1993, probably.
1: They got a nice patina on them. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. They don't stink at all. <laughs> oh, oh, we just got
1: a new show title. There we go. They don't
2: stink at all.
1: Uh, but you know they make chaco sandals you know that like those you know maybe if that was really something worth digging down on the uh, whitewater rafting community spends their whole lives right i guess they're not standing up in a boat but they're getting drenched the whole entire time i know chaco sandals are really popular too so you got to look into that later on
2: josh do you struggle with support for your feet because like barefoot might be better
0: maybe dude yeah that's why i i started wearing like really supportive running shoes when fishing almost always just because yeah. uh just for that reason for standing up all day but yeah that's that's worth looking into dude i you know there's there's gotta be it, it, there's always a better way and uh i'm all about that I, you definitely need some support out here standing and, and fishing and pivoting like you know just trying to stay balanced in those waves you've gotta you're putting a lot of pressure on the edges of your feet and stuff in both directions. So I'm going to look at
2: that. Yes. Yeah, if you're slipping around, that's got to be brutal. If you're rocking around and slipping, it's got to be terrible. So.
0: You know what's funny? I actually had really slippery pants on. This is dumb, but I had slippery pants on. I was having so much trouble keeping my butt on the butt seat <laughs> because I <laughs> was, need- was wearing so slick. I was like, Damn, I didn't expect it to be like this.
1: That's why MC Hammer never did good fishing in the Great Lakes, dude. He couldn't keep his butt on the butt seat. Those parachute pants look great, but they don't have any traction. The hammer time is much calmer, calmer bodies of water. You can't hammer time on the on the front of the Great Lakes.
2: Uh, you need to put grip tape on your butt seat.
1: <laughs> yeah, Velcro. <laughs> Just
2: uh,
0: okay, well... We'll talk a little bit more. We'll go a little more in depth on the fishing next episode. But a couple last things I want to talk. I want to talk about the RV Nick just bought. And I want to talk about what you've got coming up hunting-wise. So uh, let's – since I feel like – let's let's start with the hunting deal because I don't know how long that's going to go. Do you, uh, did you draw anything
2: Rob? Like I know a lot of people, I don't know anything about
0: hunting, but I'm seeing everyone talking about getting drawn or not getting drawn. Did you put in and did you get drawn for anything or void?
2: I did. I put in for, um, elk, uh, whitetail deer, bighorn sheep antelope. Um, I drew no tags again this year. It's my <laughs> second year in a row with no tags. Um, <laughs> My buddy Les drew a tag, a whitetail tag, and Boyd drew a good whitetail tag also, so at least we got to do some hunting, but it's, um, this is such a weird year, and again, it will go back to the COVID stuff, I mean, it just has changed everybody's behavior so much that the mountain biking trails are busier than normal, the lakes are busier than normal, just all these Mm -hmm. outdoor activities that people have never done and always wanted to do, they're venturing (laughs) into them, right? So um, this, don't quote me on this, but someone told me that there was like a 17% increase in people that applications. Applied, yeah. That applied for deer or for, you know, for our hunts this year in Arizona. And it totally makes sense, especially the deer tags. Cause you know, that was, we put in for elk and antelope earlier in the year and then deer and bighorn sheep are later. So um, there was just a huge increase. We've always had in the past, we've had leftover tags, um, so if you don't draw one, you can put in for a leftover tag and a less desirable unit or maybe along the border, just areas people don't want to go to. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, this year there was very, very few leftovers. Um, I mean, it was just, it's just, it's incredible how hopefully this dies down a little bit. I know they wanted a lot, a lot of hunter recruitment in Arizona, which is, I guess good, but man, I want my kids and grandkids to be able to hunt too you know so it's just there's just a lot of people i guess that's just me whining but there's a lot of people a lot more people putting in and a lot more interest in hunting and outdoor activities so um you know it is what it is
1: rob how many bighorn sheep tags are there in arizona like four yeah, there's uh
2: there's like it varies right around a hundred a year uh, okay so there's the odds of me ever drawing a bighorn sheep tag are probably 0.001% Basically, against.
1: we're going to get an Emmy for our podcast before you get a tag to shoot a bighorn sheep.
2: Correct. Correct. So, well, you know, and a lot of the, you know, it takes people, I know some people that haven't got lucky and have drawn them in 10 or 15 years, but most people it's 25 to 35 years of putting in, you know, and it's wow. just, uh, and that, that number increases every year the more popular it gets or the more demand there is. Uh, uh-huh. And that's just the, way, just the way it is. It is what it is. So, But I'm glad we got a couple tags. We get to go hunting. And uh, I just don't get to shoot anything myself. But we'll still go about our hunting the same way we would in, you know, past years. So it's all good.
1: Nice, man.
2: Yep. So that's, uh, cool. that's that. Looking forward to so. hearing about this, man. It makes yeah, sense. Be- I mean, it, it all
0: makes sense and it's good and bad. But I, I I know a lot of people they just want straight. Today. I mean, they they don't want to get into the sport. But just that meat has become much more desirable, dude. From like you said, from the deer, it's got it. That's got to be a big thing man.
2: It is a big thing. Yep, and it's uh so yeah, game and fish is making some money. That's good.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So. Right on. That's cool. Well, uh and, and uh before we
0: wrap up, how about you, Nick? What uh, what's this About the RV, man. What uh, what did you buy and what are you going to do with it?
1: Well, I'm trying to get my Uncle Rico on, like in Napoleon Dynamite. I want to go out there and film myself throwing a football and talking about how good I could have been if I would have made different life choices. But uh, to to piggyback off of what Rob said, the increase in interest from everyone because of this new COVID environment, apparently RVs have become – next to impossible. I mean, the market is just like dried up. And so it's been a it's been a bucket list item for us for a long time. and uh, we kind of just realized it doesn't look like schools are gonna be resuming any normalcy um, anytime soon. and I think they're gonna even move the date again on when they can resume in school um, sessions. So I did a bunch of research and um, tracked down a good, Good-looking unit. The only problem is, is that it's uh, over in Orlando, so I'm gonna catch a red-eye flight on Tuesday and then bomb back from Orlando in that thing solo to uh, Phoenix. So it should be quite the adventure.
2: That will be an adventure. About 35 hours.
1: About yeah, 30 it'd be great. I will. <laughs> I will be. I well-versed in all the music on my phone. That's for sure. I was laughing and telling my brother. I. I I've heard reports that apparently. Arizona but I think specifically Maricopa County is like currently the epicenter supposedly of the coronavirus on planet earth and I said well at least I'm flying to Florida which I think is like number three epicenter so it's like if you go from worst to third you've gone up two places so I feel like I'll be safer anyways flying on an airplane for six hours and then driving back but got to do something man these kids are eating paint off the walls or getting a little little hairy over here so we might as well just hit the open road and see what happens.
2: Where do you plan on going? Do you have any plans other than just going?
1: Yeah, north. But uh, I think yeah. we're gonna I think we're gonna do a little little Utah, little Yellowstone. Maybe go take a good look at Mount Rushmore before God forbid anything weird happens to it. And uh, yeah, just kind of kind of do the Midwest tour and uh, see where we go. I think I think kids will be homeschooled again probably through October. Um, I nothing official on that, but my gut tells me it's going to be a while. So if I'm going to have to teach second grade and kindergarten, I might as well, might as well have a good change of scenery. Yeah,
2: definitely. Well, hopefully, have my good Wi-Fi.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, we all know I'm dragging this podcast down, anyways. So.
0: <laughs> oh, we need you, Nick. But. <laughs> no,
2: let's,
0: dude, that. Well, I, I think that's going to be uh, it's going to be amazing. It's it's going to be there's going to be some moments that are semi-challenging but that's no different than anything dude I mean having you know having the kids there but it's gonna be the kids are old enough the two older ones are old enough to remember it forever and uh, forever. they'll talk about it of their lives
1: dude thank you man it's so funny they're they're so excited it's like the first thing they talk about in the morning and the last thing before they go to bed <laughs> they've like packed and unpacked and repacked all the toys they're gonna bring and uh, it'll probably that enthusiasm will make it about the first hour and a half and then they'll be like are we there yet are we there yet? Are we there yet? And my infant will probably have already had like three poop blowouts in his car seat. And my wife and I will be fighting. and It will be like, I'm turning this damn bus around and we're going home. But can't know until you try it, right?
0: Thank <laughs> you, old awesome. man. we going to hold down the fort at home.
1: So, so the old man is actually up. Did you ask about uh, did you ask about my dad? It's kind yeah. of choppy. Yep. Yeah so, yeah, so the old man has been doing the Wyoming uh, Great Reunion of 2020. So he's he's been MIA for a couple months, and now with things as hairy as it is around here, it's I think he's just going to stay up north pretty deep into the fall. So if anyone's looking to do a home invasion, um, DM me, and I'll send you my address.
2: <laughs> oh, you uh, that's great. Can't wait to hear about that.
1: Yeah, thanks to you know it'd be it'd be it'd be an adventure you know and it's a it's a used rental unit you know me man I'm a cheapskate and I look for deals and I buy dumb stuff and so this'll just be another brick in the great wall of mistakes I've made in my life probably but I picked it up for a song that's what made it worth going all the way to Orlando for it and uh, you know our buddy Matt Shura I'm just trying to follow in his footsteps dude I think it's exactly what he's got it's a it's a Ford E350 chassis with the V10 on it. I don't know specifically which motorhome he has but i know we have the same guts essentially so thought about maybe wrapping it like one of those popsicles that are red white and blue and then at least i could be mistaken for a local hero around here
2: you need to wrap it in the angler's happy hour wrap
1: dude no kidding we maybe i should start a GoFundMe. fund <laughs> me be pretty
0: sweet well, dude we're oh, gonna have to we- Get Matt back on, man. That was such a good podcast early on, it and he uh, yeah. had yeah, more stories to tell. But uh, yeah, you guys could, after a while, you guys could just share stories about being on the open road in your your <laughs> E350 RVs, dude.
1: Dude, I think his E350 is probably maybe. Well, I was gonna say calmer or quieter, but then again, knowing Matt's a little bit of a party animal, it's probably not any calmer or quieter. It's just a different different type of volume. Bouncing off the walls in there than what we'll have, but uh, the adventures will be large for both of us, I'm sure. <laughs> That's cool. Man. I can't wait to try and take it through a drive-through. That's going to be like the pinnacle. Like your old story about Kevin Van Dam going through a drive-through with a boat in a trailer and like driving over the flower beds. I want to do that, dude. I want to just like swing wide and just like crash through a bunch of stuff.
0: <laughs> I watched David Dudley this week go through an RV's drive, too, that I couldn't believe, man. It was on, he just drove right over the curb <laughs> and stuff. It was after we had just wrapped up a 15 hour practice day.
2: And at that point, <laughs> I'm
0: in a bad mood. And I had a great day of fishing as far as just a nice day on the water, but. You fish for that long and you're that short on sleep. Like after the day, you just you're <laughs> gonna run anywhere to get food. And uh, I was, Chantel was even like, why are you so crafting? Why are you being like that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just fish for 15 hours, and that's a good thing. <laughs> like it's, I,
1: yeah, you burned 6,100
0: calories. That's what it was, dude. Yeah, I just didn't eat enough and drink enough, but. um, Right on. Well, I think, uh, you know, we're a couple minutes short of the hour, but uh, with the circumstances, we're all uh, we're all kind of just piecing this thing together. We'll probably cut this thing short um, just for the listeners looking ahead. Uh, we're going to we're going to kind of be back into our groove here relatively soon. I'll be back home anyways. Nick will be the one traveling, but I'll at least be home with the equipment so I can set things up a little bit easier, get the guests and we'll just try to get Nick to call in. Like I'm calling in, but uh, we've got more guests coming, and uh, we do still need. To, we we promise we're not forgetting. We're gonna get Nick fishing with the Barbie rod. No,
1: before. we did forget. Yep, we did forget.
2: Never. We'll never forget that. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll,
0: uh, hey, dude. Nick, I, not taking upon himself to film. Whoa, whoa, happened.
1: whoa, 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 whoa! I know we're trying to end this, but I will let it be known. That uh, when I was with my kids on Pleasant, whatever day that was, Wednesday of this week, you know, there's that the, the no wake zone that's like 600 miles long from the uh, Harbor Marina there. And uh, there's a pretty good point that comes out right off the end of that. And dude, that is like, if you want to die, just stand up there on your trolling motor. And try and fish that point as everyone goes in between you and the reef, trying to get around the corner.
0: Oh yeah, Waddell Point there, absolutely. Yeah, there we that go. Back in the day.
1: So, dude, I uh, I'm pretty sure two thirds of North Phoenix almost ran me and my family over on my boat as I had to fish that point one more time before we we put it on the trailer. And I was using the Zebco because I was trying to hook my son up. I would cast it out and then hand it back to him. So. You know, it wasn't a full day, but I definitely had me some push button love.
0: Hey, that just cool in training.
1: <laughs> yeah, warming up. <laughs> yep.
0: What's that, John? Hey, that doesn't count. That doesn't What's count. No. For you. No. Oh,
1: hey, man. one time
0: uh, I. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? I know my service no. isn't very good. Can you hear me? Okay. It keeps breaking. It's breaking up bad.
1: I want to hear your story. Give it a shot. It is what it, it is. is.
0: For later whatever dude yeah i know you guys don't want to hear it but anyways thanks all to all the listeners and uh thank you guys for hopping on any last words yeah good luck tomorrow guys
1: yeah no well yeah to you josh catch him, man that'd be great
0: thank you man i'll tell james you didn't tell him good luck.
1: yeah james and eh, i don't know man <laughs> he he hated on florida drivers so he already pissed off two-thirds of the country right there
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. just kidding good luck guys Thanks again. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right.